0: is it fine to just watch and see what's going on or like is there things that
1: you kind of have to pay attention to because when i ask myself that then boom like i'm back in uncertainty like so then i know like i'm like wait hold up like
0: um is there something to do here or just vibe and chill i guess
2: okay so um so you're saying the practice is going good and uh you you got yourself feeling good right and then uh you ask yourself is there something else i should be doing right okay then um that would be the first unwholesome thought
3: right <laughs> all right uh, um so- like just Correct me if I'm wrong.
2: If I didn't understand this situation correctly, but uh, so so yeah. essentially, what I the practice that you were doing was uh the wholesome thoughts, right? Thinking yourself into uh, a state of feeling good, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so you were doing it successfully up until that point where you you had a thought: Is there something else that I should be doing? Right. Yeah
0: no that,
2: that's on the so then uh that would just be uh so the thing to do there is just wake up to that thought um pooping the party right so like that's what i call the the first unwholesome thought is the the party pooper right so i mean uh just Keep doing getting your first jhana um completely strong, like you're like literally in first jhana all the time. Um and then like you you can do other stuff, right? You can stop start, yeah. start to put some uh gaps in between those thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So um if if you if you if you thought yourself into feeling so good, then uh it's kind of redundant to just keep thinking those thoughts that you're already feeling good about, right? Yeah. So you can just start to appreciate how good you're feeling uh, without without thinking about it. OK. Uh, yeah. And that would be the second jhana. But the problem is, uh, if you do that, and your first jhana isn't uh, strong enough, then you'll just go right back out of second jhana back into the hindrances. Yeah. Right? So you have to uh train the minds first jhana to be such a habit, like such a force of nature that he, when you go into second jhana, where you go back into is right back into first jhana. Right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So you get yeah. like a little a little taste of uh a little taste of just feeling the really good and then when the thoughts come back up the first thought that comes back up is wholesome yeah, yeah. so that's a practice
3: so, okay.
2: so so it it's not that there's not other things uh, that to do or that will happen and in, in the development of your practice is that the thinking oh there's something else that I should be doing isn't in, it's an unwholesome thought because there's really nothing else that you should be doing
0: yeah just chilling
2: (laughs) yeah i mean ultimately that's what you're doing is just chilling out like it's it's the same thing in the beginning that it is in the end like yeah yeah like uh it's just different progressions of of nibbana so uh to get from hindrances into first jhana the The hindrances have to have a cessation, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So in that sense, that's uh, a sort of nibbana to attain first jhana. And uh, um, there's all kinds of energy, uh, uh, wholesome thoughts that come along with that just because um, all the tension and all the mental bandwidth that you were dedicating to uh, sorrow, lamentation and despair and thinking about the past and the future, uh, that tension has been released. So there, there's a real kind of outburst of uh, PT and Sukha that comes along with that and uh, and mindfulness, right? So um, have you guys taken chemistry? Yeah. Yeah, so like when, when a chemical bond uh, is broken, it actually releases energy, right? Yeah, it does. So so like a lot of people think it's um, the opposite, like it takes energy to break the bond, right? But when the bond is broken, energy is released. Mm-hmm. So so that so that te- that tension. Um, uh, being broken, the tension of uh, any of the hindrances being broken actually releases hen- uh energy. And that energy comes in the for- form of, uh, of joy, uh, enthusiasm and, uh, and, uh, then, then, uh, relaxation following that, right? Uh, okay.
0: so. And you get the feeling that you can do that. we just kind of, or I can do this. Yeah. Of course you'd feel that way because you have more energy now.
2: Yeah. So like the PT hit is like, kind of like a, I can do it type of, type of energy. Like a it's like a motivating type of energy of like, yeah, I'm I'm on the right track essentially. Like this is this stuff works. I, the
0: mm-hmm.
2: meditation is working. Wow, I'm actually gladdening my mind. That's kind of the PT. And then the sukha is like, um, okay, now that I, I'm on the right track and I feel really uplifted, um, I can kind of let go of some of those uh some of those worries and tensions that are stored in my body right in the form of some kind of tension and in, in my chest or tension in my shoulders and uh, now i can like relax and experience like a pleasant a pleasant abiding so in the suttas as it says uh he experiences a pleasant abiding <laughs> and that, that that's so it just means like your body's relaxed right your body's <laughs> feeling good um, so we want to um, work on both of those uh, with the wholesome thoughts. All right. Um, yeah.
0: Thanks for that that clarification. Cause yeah, I, like I'll I'll notice that that's the that that's the party pooper, and then I'll be like
1: ah I see you too, and and then it's just like, just rinse and repeat,
0: rinse and repeat. Yeah. And well. Just the trick
3: is,
2: yeah. The trick is there's like. There's a lot of party pooper thoughts that are. Um, kind of disguise themselves, right? Disguise themselves as. Um, thinking that you're practicing thoughts, right? Because mm-hmm. like the party pooper thought in this case was like, is there anything else I should be be doing with the practice so that so you might not immediately notice it as a party pooper thought. But like immediately following that thought. Yeah, you have something.
4: Yeah, I was wondering if there's any way that you can like incorporate that party pooper thought um, into it, like kind of get that guy to join the party in a way instead of like kicking him out. You know what I mean? I don't know if you should kick him out or join.
2: Yeah, so like, there's different ways we can um, we can skillfully navigate um, an unwholesome thought. But first we have to catch it. So it's not necessarily like you're, tra- like trying super hard to kick out of it or get rid of it. You can just reframe it, right? Like uh, take that thought and be, oh, is there anything else I should be doing right now? Yeah, I should be thinking an even more wholesome thought. And then uh, wow, it, it back back to feeling good. Yeah, I should be uh, thinking how great. Um, congratulations of how good my my practice is going, and look look at this fruit. So like um, you can answer the question of is there something else I should be doing with another wholesome thought. You know what I'm saying? Instead of compiling it with another wholesome thought, unwholesome thought after that of oh, am I? Is there something else I should be doing? Oh, maybe I, I'm not doing the right thing. And maybe, and then all that doubt, that um doubt that you're practicing right starts to starts to come in. Because it's really not the first unwholesome thought. It's one unwholesome thought doesn't take you out of it. One else unwholesome thought doesn't take you out of jhana. It's when it spirals, right? It's when it's one unwholesome thought uh creates another one, creates another one. And then before you know it there's all these unwholesome thoughts that you can't really pick out the unwholesome from the wholesome because all these unwholesome thoughts uh, took you out of jhana completely and then now now pretty much you're, you're starting from out of jhana trying to get back into jhana right It's like yeah. the, uh, the analogy of the swing. so you uh, takes a little it takes more effort to push the ki- uh, the kid on the swing, the f- when it's going from a standstill, but once the swing is going back and forth, it just takes a little tap. So once you're already into a wholesome state of mind, once you're already in that good mood, that uplifted mood, all it takes is a little tap to keep it going. Like, you don't really have to put much effort to, like, keep the swing going back and forth, right? So, but, but but then let's say we do get out of jhana. Uh we go back into hindrances. So the thoughts to think then is not, oh fuck, I, I had it, now I lost it. And now I'm back out of it. Now I'm gonna have to do all this work. We go, oh yippee, we get to we get to learn how to get back into first jhana again. So it's a whole <laughs> so it's another opportunity uh for skill development. So getting um from out of jhana back into first jhana is probably the the best skill that needs developing. Staying in first jhana isn't as hard, but getting back into it is is like the main thing of the practice. Like that's probably like the 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 going from first jhana to nibbana really isn't that hard. It's just how good is your first jhana. So mm-hmm. it's just that how not not that you've been in first jhana. How often can you be in first jhana? And how yeah. like like literally how often can you be in first jhana, and how quickly can you get back into first jhana? because then because mm-hmm. then first jhana going to um uh fruition kind of just happens on its own right it's the same way um you're, you're gardening a, a plant you can set the right causes and conditions you can um You can set the fertilizer, you can plant the seed, you can water the plant, you can make sure it's in a sunny spot, but there's nothing you can actually do uh, to force that plant to um, sprout. um, um, uh, Flower. uh, Become pollinated uh, bear and bear fruit, right? You kind of just create the causes and conditions. So the causes and conditions for for. um, For uh, uh, Nibbana to happen or uh, fruition of the Dhamma to happen is by development of a first jhana. So that's what you you should be doing to answer your question. Okay. Uh, Yeah, but uh, then, um, is there any other questions?
3: I have a question or you can
0: keep Keep going. Me? All right. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, I, was, I heard Domirato say this before and I feel like I kind of get it, but it doesn't really click like the rest of the things he says. But it, I heard that you were like talking with him, Scott, the, about the whole light bulb having its own consciousness or the light switch. That little discussion that seemed kind of like, to go over my head. I didn't really quite understand. To be that.
2: honest, I didn't know what Domirato was talking about either. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes Don Murado will type type stuff in the chat that like it doesn't really make sense, but like I, I <laughs> that's just like him. Are you talking about one of the messages he typed in Skype? Yeah, yeah, yeah Earlier today, I didn't,
3: get the,
2: I didn't get the light bulb analogy. I wouldn't think about it too hard. Just like take the take the like in, uh, sentiment behind it. Um, the thing
3: he wrote about. Um let me check. The thing he wrote about uh about something else was pretty important. Existence is real or something. That part. Um uh, Yeah. Inherent exi- existence is real,
2: just real, but inherent existence is not real. Inherent existence implies permanent, independent yeah all things are interdependent and not permanent. Existence does not exist as a moving target nothing permanent not, uh nothing independent yeah so that that that's pretty important. so like most people think uh that um existence itself even through the hold on I'm trying to figure out how to get the screen back okay existence itself like there is something inherently existing it's just moving uh uh it like the now right people think that the now exists it, it has inherent existence like the present moment and is inherently existing and that's the only thing that inherently exists and it's inherently existing from one moment to the next when really the now is that has no inherent existence apart from its relationship to the past and the future. So it's not that anything inherently exists, it's just everything. um, Everything that exists exists, but it exists um, by causes and conditions, so it does not exist without a causes and conditions. It does not exist without its uh, relationships and dependency upon the. A uh, proximate cause for its existence, and if you take away the proximate cause for its existence, uh, it no longer exists, and that's the whole idea behind the Dharma. So, if you take away the causes, um, if you take away the causes for suffering, suffering no longer arises, um, and uh, if you put the causes for the end of suffering um the eightfold noble path uh then uh uh, happiness uh arises uh deliverance arises um so it's like it's really simple teaching it's really not like it doesn't make any claims that are unfounded so it's not saying like it's not an absolute uh ontological existential viewpoint the whole idea is to get rid of uh, views and just look at reality unfolding clearly how it is uh, so you can uh, see things uh, without beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, the way that they are um, and, and 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 that's why uh, attachment to views uh, is actually one of the things that are gotten rid of So uh, your attachment to viewpoints, right? All of that is replaced with right view. And right view uh, isn't a noun, it's a verb. So it's actually a process of just looking, uh, viewing uh, reality as it happens. And then we could develop insight in that way. Yeah, that it up a
3: lot, thanks. Uh Does well said. Does anyone uh, have any questions about that or anything to say? Okay. Um. Yeah. But I
2: picked I picked a sutta that's a pretty popular sutta, um, for today. Uh, you guys might have heard of it, the Satipatthana Sutta, and um. Uh in a way this will answer Isaiah's question in the beginning of is there anything else I can do? Um but then this is kind of like um this comes into handy uh once that first jhana is really developed. Okay. Cause then uh once you
3: are in first jhana, um, um There's different ways you can practice the dhamma besides uh
2: thinking a wholesome thought, right? You can uh direct your mind mind's mindfulness or direct your attention towards certain aspects of your experience. So the the actual um the actual three components of uh first jhana is sometimes translated to uh the thinking and examining thought, rather than the applied and sustained thought. Domirato says one wholesome thought after another. But uh, another translation of the Pali, along with the PT and Sukha of first jhana, is the thinking and examining thought. So so, um, you can be thinking and examining our experience. um, But instead of doing it as a kind of, artificial. uh, Kind of try hard practice, we're thinking and examining our experience uh, because of the clarity of our interest for it. So we've already gotten out of the hindrances. We've already gotten out of the conceptual mind about the past and the future. Um, So now we can uh, take a look around at uh, this interesting phenomena. Uh, of of uh, human experience uh, that's unfolding moment to
3: moment. Um So with that, I'm just going to start the. The Sutta here.
2: Alright, so this is uh, MN 10. The Satipatthana Sutta, the foundations of mindfulness, and this is the Sutta that uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the the Vipassana people use um, a lot of the the mindfulness, a lot of the Western mindfulness people use. So uh, a lot here um, is misunderstood <laughs> by Dharma practitioners, and they're uh, not really doing it right, and they're going nowhere fast. Uh, but uh, I, I'm going to read it, so I, I'll kind of explain it uh, for the for the world and YouTube. Um, so that they can actually practice it correctly. And uh, uh, another thing is in the Sutta, like towards the end, it says, if you do this, if you actually do this right, like you will become an Arhat within a week or something. Uh, It might be a week or like a two weeks. So it's a really powerful practice if you do it correctly. Thus have I heard on one occasion, the blessed one was living in the Kuru country at a town of the Kurus named Kama Sadama. There he addressed the bhikkhus thus. Bhikkhus, Venerable Sir, they replied. The Blessed One said this. Bhikkhus, this is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of Nibbana. Namely, the four foundations of mindfulness. <clears throat> All right, so mindfulness is a really popular word. Um, I want to ask you guys, like, what does mindfulness,
3: mindfulness mean to you? Like, what does that mean? I'd say waking up, taking a look. Uh, that's OK, that's a good uh, understanding. Anyone
1: else? Let's say for me, mindfulness is. Seeing things clearly.
2: Seeing things clearly
1: as they are, yeah.
3: Yeah, so. Um, say, oh, Go ahead, Nick. I was gonna
0: say uh, seeing the mind.
2: Yeah, so seeing the mind. Another good one. Mindfulness. Um, yeah, mindfulness, the the word itself isn't exactly like I don't I don't think it really makes that much sense. Mindfulness. But uh it's a translation of sati, right? So sati is essentially
3: that kind of uh that it's like that hit of remembrance. So uh,
2: if you, uh, when I woke up this morning, uh, 20 minutes before the Sangha call, and then I checked my phone and I go, oh crap, I, I have a Sangha call I have to do. So that was like a Sati. So Sati is like remembering to look. So remembering to look, remembering to practice. So you may be breathing and not aware that you're breathing. Sati would be the recognition that you are breathing. So it's not that you weren't breathing, but your your mind your mind didn't recognize it, didn't notice it, wasn't mindful. so that that that's kind of that's what mindfulness means. <coughs> okay, so namely the four foundations of mindfulness what are the four here bikus a bhikkhu who abides contemplating the body as a body ardent, fully aware and mindful having put away covetousness and grief for the world he abides contemplating. all right so that's important what are the four here bikus a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as a body ardent fully aware and mindful having put away uh, covetousness and grief for the world so what that tells me is that uh, this guy who's practicing uh mindfulness is already in jhana right having put away grief and covetousness for the world so people miss that part so that they, they practice they practice mindfulness without putting away grief and covetousness for the world So then the mind will uh, the mindfulness will be obscured. So uh, the mind will be distracted. Uh, the, The meditation will be done on behalf of a person. Who is grieving? And suffering and a victim and trying to get rid of their suffering by practicing some kind of practice or mindfulness. So that would be grief and uh so you have to get rid of uh grief and lamentation first um and then it's actually describing uh jhana uh ardent fully aware and mindful so that's a quality of jhana so first jhana is actually comes with a quality being fully aware right wide awake you're totally crystal clear awake to the moment um it's like someone throws a, a bucket of cold water in your face OK, uh, you're going to wake up, right? Yeah, uh, you're, you're going to be out of like the fog, um, the dullness, um, right? So th- this is why uh, we emphasize 1st jhana so much so that uh, we can do um, the practice of the, of the Dhamma um, more effectively. Um, Alright, so abides contemplating the body as a body. And the the wording is very important too. Um, Um, that's not really that complicated right contemplating a body as a body it's pretty simple right but it's a it's a really powerful practice so a lot of times instead of contemplating our body as a body uh either overtly or subconsciously we think this is me right we 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 There's no distinction between our body and what we consider me or mine. We could think we could think this is me or we could either think this is my body, right? Either one is um, uh, ignorant. So really it's just a body. (laughs) So
3: contemplating a body as a body, Uh, this is a body. He abides contemplating feelings as feelings, ardent fully aware and
2: mindful, having put away grief. And covetousness for the world. He abides contemplating mind as mind, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. He he abides contemplating mind objects as mind objects, ardent, fully aware and mindful. Having put away uh, covetousness and grief for the world. All right, so feelings as feelings, right? Um, that's really important. So <laughs> the, the feelings that we experience are just uh, impersonal uh, events, okay? Normally there are feelings, right? So grief, salmon, lamentation, sorrow, and despair uh, usually comes with a strong sense of self behind it. Oh, how could this person have wronged me? Oh, how, oh, how bad this thing that happened to me? And why is it always? Why does this always happen to me? And oh, I'm always doing this. I always fuck it up. Or something to that extent when you're grieving and you're lamenting it's always your grief and lamentation right instead of just looking um uh at at feelings as feelings right just the same way our body is a body it is what it is a feeling is just a feeling um it's arising impersonally just like the weather okay (coughs) and um That's important for um, when we're actually in jhana too. So when we are experiencing good feelings, uh, we're just, we're just observing the feelings uh, without a personal attachment to them. So even when you're experiencing really good feelings, uh, there's feelings are just feelings, right? Normally we go, oh, yippee, these are my feelings, my jhana. And uh, that's usually a quick way to get out of it. Yeah, so you just it's better just to sit back and let it unfold and just observe it uh, mindfully uh, for what it is. Um. And then mind is mind. So mind is mind is essentially uh, seeing a thought as a thought. So even more tricky than probably body is body is seeing thoughts as thoughts without thinking that uh, our thoughts are, are me. Um, so I, I, it's probably more, it's easier to recognize this body is just a body, right? Um, if someone chops off your hand, is that hand still yours? Like, you'd still be here, but your hand would be gone, right? It wouldn't really be your hand anymore, right? And the same for the rest of the body. Um, but, uh, a thought is a little more tricky. Like, most people walking around in the world are fully convinced that they are their thoughts right the, the 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 discursive thought going on um thinking about things uh through the english language or whatever language that you speak um we're convinced that that's me instead of seeing that it's just a uh, a phenomenal um uh and dependently originated uh uh event that's happening um that we aren't really um in in as much uh control of as we think we are right thoughts are just happening
1: uh hey scott yeah what's the name of the sutta called again
2: Satipatthana Sutta. it's just mn10
1: Okay. Um, wh- what website <clears throat> was it? I just want to follow along as you're reading it.
2: Oh, um, I just go on the uh, Biku Bodhi uh, <laughs> MNP PDF. Okay. And it's just the middle-length discourses, and you're just gonna have to scroll down. Um, but yeah, I, I'll continue. I, I'm taking a long time with the beginning of it here. I don't think we're going to get through the whole thing today it's kind of a long seat tip, but uh we can take our time um okay uh, so contemplating mind is mind and then mind objects as mind objects so mind objects would be the things that you're thinking about right so mind would be the process of thinking itself a mind objects would be what are you thinking about and really without without mind objects there is no mind and without mind there is no mind objects so thoughts don't arise unless you're thinking about something in particular um so a thought has to have those two components so let's say i'm let's say i'm thinking about uh my ex-girlfriend right the the mind would be the process of of thinking um, and the mind object would be the imaginary ex-girlfriend that I construct in my mind that I'm thinking about, right? It's a mind object. But normally we think that's my ex-girlfriend. That's, that's who she really is that I'm thinking about. But that's not her. That's just something that I'm constructing, right? It's a mind object. So so pretty much anything that you think about the past. uh, Instead of actually being the real thing that happened in the past, it's really just a mental construction. It's a mind object. That 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 you're thinking about. Um, Yeah, if I'm thinking about a table, right, I can imagine a table that's a mind object. So a mind object could be, um, in the form of a thought. It, it could also be uh, mental imagery, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be like, uh, in, in the form of language. Thoughts also take the form of images. Um, and depending on the type of person you are, you might, you may have more of a image. Like if you're an artist or something, you may think more in images than you do in a uh, discursive language and all uh, and then logic but uh, both of these are mind right they're not they're not based on any of the senses right so uh, the mind and the mind objects is one of the six sense bases so for the Buddha it's categorized the same as uh, uh, seeing uh, seeing something literally so, the eye comes into contact with the forms that it sees in the same way that the mind comes into contact with the mind objects that it thinks about. So in the same way, it's a sense faculty, our mind, our sight, our touch, our taste, um, our, our our hearing. It, it's all uh, part of the sixth sense basis. Um <clears throat> OK, so. Those are the four foundations of mindfulness. (coughs) And then the next heading, it gets on to um, contemplation of the body. And it starts with mindfulness of breathing. And how, bhikkhus, does a bhikkhu abide contemplating the body as a body? Here, a bhikkhu, gone to the forest or to a root of a tree or to an empty hut, sits down. It says having (coughs) folded his legs and blah, blah, blah. But um, I think Domirato talked about this. It's not like the right translation. You could just be sitting down. It doesn't, you don't have to be in a full lotus or whatever. And established mindfulness in front of him. Ever mindful he breathes in, mindful he breathes out. Breathing in long, he understands, I breathe in long. Or breathing out long, he understands, I breathe out long. Breathing in short, he understands, I breathe in short. Or breathing out short, he understands, I breathe out short. He trains thus. (coughs) I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. So, I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. He trains thus. I shall breathe out experiencing the whole body. He trains thus. I shall breathe in tranquilizing the bodily formation. He trains us. I shall breathe out tranquilizing the bodily formation. Just as a skilled Turner or his apprentice when making a long turn understands I make a long turn or when making a short turn understands I make a short turn. So, too, breathing in long, a understands. I breathe in long. He trains thus, I shall breathe out, tranquilizing uh, the bodily formation.
3: All right. Is the bodily formation
1: just the body? Another word for the body?
3: It, yeah, it's the sensations
2: of the body. So, um, Tranquilizing the bodily formation just means relaxing the body. That's all it mm-hmm. means. I don't know why they translate it like that, but that's literally what it means. Um so yeah, you first recognize how are we breathing. Right? Am I breathing in short or bring, breathing in long? And then so you'll either understand that you're breathing in short or understand that you're breathing in long. Alright, that's pretty straightforward. It doesn't say anything about the tip of the nostril. It doesn't say anything about. All kinds of my uh, breathing meditations that are taught in Western Dharma. It just says breathing in long. I understand I breathe in long. So just the sati, the mindfulness of our breathing itself. How are we breathing? Um. Is the practice
3: and then. uh, And then uh, you breathe in.
2: The next step is breathing in, experiencing the whole body. So now that we brought the mind's attention to the breath. um, We've collected the mind to um, the breath is kind of sensation happening in the body, so now we can. uh, uh, bring the mind to um, the, the experience of our whole body simultaneously. So what is the posture of our body? What does our body feel like? How does it feel like for? Uh, the shirt to be touching your skin right now. And as you breathe, what is does what those little sensations feel like changing? all around your body all on your skin from your head to your toes from this um, sensation of your butt against the the seat the little sensations of of the of the fabric
3: moving against your skin as you breathe you kind of just breathe and experience the whole body right
2: and what's the next step? If you find any tensions in your body. You can uh, take take. Uh, continue with the nice breath that you're taking and just uh, relax and let go of those
3: tensions. Because uh A relaxed body is uh,
2: a relaxed mind. Right? So having put away grief and covetousness for the world, um, we stopped creating tensions in the body with our mind. And so now the tensions that are still there are already there. Uh, we can breathe, uh, become aware of them, and then consciously relax them because we are not. We're not. We're no longer creating them
3: mentally anymore. Um And what is Relaxing the
2: body do. Well, that just creates more sukha, right? So that's just. um, Strengthening the jhana that we're already in. Right? So um, when you are in jhana and you're thinking what should I do? Well, you can breathe, uh, become aware of your body, uh, relax any tensions that are going on, and then um, start to enjoy. that relief and that and
3: that pleasantness of of your body. And how good does it actually feel? And now it goes on to the insight in this way. He abides contemplating the
2: body as a body internally, or he abides contemplating the body as a body externally, or he abides contemplating the body as a body both internally and externally. Or else he abides contemplating uh, in the body its arising factors, or he abides contemplating in the body its vanishing factors. Or he abides contemplating in the body both its arising and vanishing factors. Or else mindfulness that there is a body is simply established in him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness. And he abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as a body. All right, so, um, abides contemplating the body as a body externally. Um, so there's certain parts of our body that are kind of external right the external sensations of the body but there may be uh, more internal sensations of the body
3: like maybe uh, a feeling in your stomach or something like that Um, or a feeling that's uh, in your heart in your chest that may not be as
2: external as the feeling of your foot against the ground um um, the next one, he abides contemplating the body and its arising factors. So, um, you're actually now that you're in a clear state of mindfulness, and you're um, staying with the sensations of your body, and you're staying with the sensations of your breath. You can actually see um, that these sensations um, are arising and vanishing. So the the sensation, in in other words. The sensations of our body are changing uh, from moment to moment. It's not it's not as if the body is uh, a solid thing that isn't shifting and changing and appearing and disappearing. All the sensations of our body are appearing and disappearing. And then a uh, cool thing is, if you can actually appreciate um, the moments it appears and the moments it disappears, uh, in the visceral sensations, you can actually get a taste of that emptiness. Oh wow, there isn't really a solid thing that's me known as a body, but there's just appearing and disappearing sensations and you can appreciate some gaps in between those sensations even so that that just adds to the relief, right? That that reveals their emptiness, their inherent, um. Their inherent non existence. Um, or their in or their inherent dependent
3: existence is another way to put it. Uh,
2: and then, or uh, mindfulness that there is a body is simply established in him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness. All right. So that's enough. Just just the disidentification from going from this is my body to there is a body (laughs) just for the bare extent of mindfulness um, so you don't get caught by uh, identifying with it that's also enough so you don't even need to do um, see it arising and vanishing you could just
3: um, be aware that there is a body here and and that would be uh, sufficient. The four postures. Again, because when walking
2: a bhikkhu understands I am walking, when standing he understands I am standing, when sitting he understands I am sitting, when lying down he understands I am lying down, or he understands accordingly, however his body is disposed. <clears throat> In this way, he abides contemplating the body as a body internally, externally, and both internally and externally, and he abides uh, independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That too is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as a body. All right. So whatever posture your body is in um, that could be used as a tool for sati. So what is my body doing right now? Oh, it's sitting. I'm sitting or am I standing? I'm standing or am I walking? Okay, I'm walking. Am I lying down? I'm lying down, right? So throughout the day, whatever our body is doing, we can become aware of what it is doing. Instead of just having it do that ignorantly. So these are all like sati reminders, right?
3: Full awareness again, bhikkhus. a bhikkhu is one
2: who acts in full awareness when going forward and returning, who acts in full awareness when looking ahead and looking away, who acts in full awareness when flexing and extending his limbs, who acts in full awareness uh, when wearing his robes and carrying his outer robe and bowl, who acts in full awareness when eating, drinking, consuming food and tasting who acts in full awareness when defecating and urinating, who acts in full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, and keeping silent. In this way, he abides contemplating the body as a body, um, etc, etc. Right, so. um, To be fully aware of what our body is doing at any given moment is also another thing um, that is wholesome. So you can continue with, uh, keeping the mind in a wholesome state that way. Right. So if I reach out to grab this cup, just, just the of instead of just like doing it habitually, like I already know how to grab the cup. So I'm just going to grab the cup and drink. Right. But what if I mindfully grab the cup? And I'm aware of the act of actually going out there and grabbing that cup, right? Or I mindfully get up from my uh, seat. I mindfully drive, right? I'm aware of each little movement that I'm doing, right? So this is what it's talking about. It's, it's a skill of, of all the things that we do um, sort of on autopilot. We're gonna take the mind out of autopilot mode Um, and then bring it into manually doing things. Because what uh, all of our dukkha is actually created is on autopilot, right? It's the habitual tendencies of our mind that are uh, creating our dukkha for us. So the, the more we take the mind out of autopilot mode into fully aware mode, fully mindful mode of what is going on here in this moment, Right, what is my body doing in this moment? That's all the less bandwidth that your mind can be uh, grieving, lamentating, uh, sorrow and despairing about the past and imagining
3: things that aren't that aren't here right now. Right, that make us suffer. Uh, okay, this
2: one. <clears throat> all right, I'm gonna be right back. I'm I'm gonna get some more water and uh, I need to blow my nose, but. uh Uh, Feel free to talk amongst each other while I'm gone.
4: (laughs) I was going to ask Scott. um, Like if if someone happens to be addicted to something. And um, do you think it would help to like do that thing while you're? um, I don't know if anyone's listening, but while you're uh, okay. Yeah, so like do that thing with more awareness, I guess. Like say if you're a smoker and you're trying to quit, um, like instead of habitually grabbing a cigarette, you can put more uh, awareness behind it. And you know, maybe you can feel the damage that it's doing or something, and somehow that could help you quit that habit.
0: I don't know For if sure. that's probably have Probably have the habit of smoking cigarettes because not because it's good for some yeah. other reason like it's a crutch so once you start seeing that then you can see it for what it is it's a crutch yeah it's, yeah that's actually has a, i'll go for it
4: yeah i was gonna say that that's a really good helpful thing because uh it can help a lot of people quit stuff that they're addicted to
0: Amarado has a interesting story about a chocolate bar for addiction. Talks about how um, at at every point you could put the chocolate bar down. When you go to the fridge and you pick the chocolate bar up, you could put it down. When you unwrap it and it's here, you could put it down. When it's in your mouth, you could even spit it out. You could take a few chews, put it out. So there's all these little moments of uh, saati that you could. Uh, used to wake up and uh, decide that you're gonna not let this addiction take control of your happiness.
4: Yeah, I notice that too because I'm I'm trying to quit uh, something myself right now. I smoke uh, weed too much, and I'm trying to quit. And I notice that when I when I think about every little thing that I do, uh, like in the routine of smoking weed, I. I'm less. Uh, I, I I don't even want to smoke it. By the end of the thing, I'm I'm more like, okay, I'm just gonna relax. I'm already relaxing right now, and I'm gonna keep relaxing. And yeah, so I noticed that myself too.
3: Yeah,
2: so half a uh, The <laughs> the weed addiction is like, it's it's a psychological addiction because like weed itself isn't really like physically addicted. So the reason why you keep smoking weed, um, not that there's anything wrong with smoking weed, but if you smoke weed too much, it's because there's that psychological um, um, thing reason why you're trying to solve that um, unpleasant sensation uh, with the weed, and, and the and the thing is, uh, it may work, um, but. Uh, smoking so much. Uh, eventually it won't. It won't work as well so. So even let's say you do decide to smoke and then you you do actually smoke. Be mindful. Am I actually enjoying this high? Like what is this high like? Experience the high fully like be mindful of the actual experience instead of just taking it for granted Of smoking and then going about doing whatever you're doing. Like, it's a habit. So be mindful. Oh, and then you might notice something. Oh, actually, this high isn't as enjoyable as um, it used to be or how it is when I don't smoke all the time, right? So then uh, that, that can, that, just being aware. It's not that you need to, like, stop doing it or force yourself to stop doing it, but just be aware of what is it like to do it. Right, because then that will give you uh, experiential insight that you may say, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. You might have just like realize that. Um, it...
4: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And uh, yeah, the thing that Dom Murado always says is like, stop making so many rules for yourself. Uh, yeah. Before, when I was trying to quit weed, I would make it like a really strict rule that I can't smoke weed for this amount of time or whatever. And now I I'm more uh, just relaxed about it, and I'm I really feel the addiction starting to uh, disintegrate. So it's really nice. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. The normally the way people overcome addictions is they become disenchanted with the drug, right? They realize, oh, this isn't giving me the happiness that I'm actually using it for, and it's not as enjoyable as as it was. So I'm going to stop doing it, or at least cut back on doing it. So, but that can only, but that's why mindfulness is so important, because um, we won't actually um, come to realize the result of our actions unless we're paying attention to uh, what's going on as it goes on, right? We'll just kind of be in a fog of being high, and then we'll continue doing whatever uh, we were doing before. Without seeing that the weed itself isn't making the situation any better. Um
3: Yeah,
2: um,
1: I, yeah go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Scott. No, I, no, no, go ahead. Your, okay. Uh Puyan. Is that how you say your name, friend? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, cool, cool.
3: Yeah. Um
1: you're just uh speaking. You're just speaking my language over here when you talk about the weed and stuff. I think, head I, head. Think Louis, I think
2: I think Louie, I think everyone in this call is a fucking major piehead. I know Nick is. Nick hey. says
1: but <laughs> the weed. Uh so yeah. is Alex. <laughs> yeah.
2: So uh, this
1: this is very valuable. <laughs> um, I was I was going through this actually, <clears throat> a couple months ago, where I actually found incredible benefit from using weed with my job. I noticed I was, I'm in sales and I was booking two times the amount of meetings that I usually book uh, being in sales when I took a dab before my cold calls. And what that turned into was taking dabs before going on dates and then taking dabs before I go see my family. And so I was taking six to seven dabs a day. And at some point, I started to realize the heaviness of that. Of, like, oh, wow, I have to go back to the dab. I have to clean it. I have to take more. I have to uh, pay more, right? It costs money. Um, But it's kind of like what Scott and Nick said. I feel like if you're just paying attention and it just takes one time of noticing, okay, I got high, but I don't feel as good as I thought I would. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. And it's kind of like keeping this judgmental attitude about it all right like give yourself free reign that's what i did i i mean it might work for some might not i don't know but i i decided to go for it and just do six to seven dabs a day but little by little i have taken that down so it went from like the next week it went to five dabs the next week after that it went to four and then three and then two and now it's like zero to one dabs a day um And I notice I prefer that more. And it just happened from seeing what I didn't like about the experience while being high or, you know, the fact that it was heavier or, you know, even like physical things, right? Like, I don't know if you guys feel this, but if I take six to seven dabs, I start feeling it in my head and my body and I feel stuffy. And it's like, this is... And I'm like watching a movie I'm like so excited to watch this movie high and I'm like not even paying attention to the movie because this this congestion in my face is like way too much
3: yeah so, so like,
1: just like yeah
2: if you're like mindful of your actual body you'll see that like smoking way too much is it's actually gonna make a lot of dullness yeah it's gonna bring about a lot of like hindrances and uh um smoking a little weed here here and there to just uh chill out and relax um that's different because then, you know, but if you smoke all the time, it's gonna it's kind of gonna deplete your energy. Um, and your 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 mind won't be as sharp. Um, right? your 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 mind isn't going to be. As clear, right? You're not going to be able to discern things as quickly and see as clearly, which is important for mindfulness.
1: And I think maybe the advantage that we have as practitioners over someone that might not be familiar with the Dhamma like we are is because we, we have this other thing, this this wholesome quality, this wholesome practice that has given us evidence that we can feel good without weed. And so the fact that we have even a glimpse of that, we know that there's this other thing. So it's like, okay, it's just a matter of time. We're gradually using other things less and less to be okay. Yeah, someone that doesn't have access to the Dhamma might be, I don't know, I I kind of think back to the time when I used to smoke, and I didn't even know anything about the Dhamma, I would just smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke. And we would still see those hindrances and those unwholesome qualities. But we would just we wouldn't we'd be ignorant about it. There's nothing we can do about it because we don't know the Dhamma. So just like, Oh, well, let's get high again. (laughs) But like, you just come to realize, okay, it just doesn't feel good. Yeah, yet. you can That's get
2: right. high. You, you can, you know, like actually getting into jhana and getting into these states is, um, it's like getting high, but I would say it's like I would say first jhana is closer to a cocaine high than it is like a, like a weed high, you know. It kind of wakes you right up. <laughs> <Okay,
1: laughs> I'm cocaine, so I it,
2: can't it, it gets, <laughs> So so for, first jhana. It gets you feeling alive. It gets you feeling good to be alive, right? This is why people uh this is why Charlie Sheen does cocaine, right? So we're doing <laughs> we're doing the same thing, but we can actually we can actually get ourselves into that state uh with the power of our own mind, which is fucking amazing. So highly, highly recommend uh you know, these types of thoughts of how good does it actually feel to be alive and like wow I'm alive right now look at this experience isn't this amazing right all of this I mean you might feel this if you go to some like national park and like you see some huge like waterfall or some magnificent magnificent landscape you might have that moment of wow I'm alive right now I'm really I'm in the thick of nature I'm like an I'm like I'm an animal um just completely in the moment um and this moment is invigorating right uh so these are the kinds of mind states that uh intentionally uh we're trying to evoke uh with I the was pra- gonna
4: say, uh, scott yeah. uh do you see a distinction like telling yourself that and actually feeling that like you, you know what i'm trying to say like i might just say right now oh it feels so great to feel alive but there's some times where i just i feel that naturally you know it's just i'm kind of just saying it in my own head naturally
2: Yeah. uh, yeah so the thing is like uh when it happens naturally uh that's a more authentic version of it right but what we're trying to do it's trying to create the conditions for it to happen naturally uh, more often right so yeah it's not this experience isn't really foreign to anyone it's just that um us who practice the Dhamma get to enjoy it more right everyone has experienced moments of feeling alive right and when it does happen naturally it just kind of comes over you right so what we're going to do is actually make sure the mind is is uh is is wholesome and pure so that this kind of feeling can come over us more, right? Because what takes us out of this feeling is a lot of the unwholesome activity of our mind that uh we an untrained mind just lets um um lets go by and like kind of allows um all these kinds of uh thoughts that actually make shitty feelings come over us go by so if we if if we get rid of those thoughts um it's not that we have to artificially create the experience of being alive we are alive right so um if we if we get rid of all the shit that's distracting us from from being alive we can enjoy it more so i i'm not so it, it, you know, that that's the main pitfall of this practice is that um, people can think it's like an artificial thing, like, oh, we're like faking it. Right. But no, we're just creating the condition where we're creating the conditions for it um, to happen. Um, like, for instance, if you're going to have a girl over to your room. Like, are you going to want to clean your room for that girl to come over? or you're going to leave all the shit around it, right?
4: Yeah, creating the conditions oh, is... Uh, good. Yeah,
2: so, like, if you you can, like, create the, like, a nice environment, a nice room, it's not going to make, necessarily, that girl come into your room, but, like, we want to get the mind nice and clean, nice and uncluttered, and then uh, uh, that, that, that... Even the body, cookies.
4: like... The health and everything that the can health ups- the body.
2: Yeah. Get so eat healthy. Um get get enough like movement. Like walk I mean, walking is exercise. A lot of times if we feel dull and like lethargic, well, um, what did you do all day? Did you move at all? Right? So like a lot of times it what creates energy is literally just going for a walk. Go for a walk for an hour. And that will brighten up the mind, that will start to energize things uh so so yeah uh creating the right conditions for this experience to to come over us and then um, it's going to happen more so those good feelings are going to come more and then uh um yeah how 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 much can you really uh lay it on so when those good feelings do come over you 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 kind of just you stoke you add more fuel to the fire right Instead of like having those good feelings come over and then oh shit, I gotta do something tomorrow, or uh um what about this, or like that first unwholesome thought that poops the party. We wanna we wanna um avoid those by just just uh really laying it on of how good does it actually feel right now? And ah, this is amazing. So so those the, the good feelings aren't artificial but we can keep the good feelings going by just like uh, by. by um, um, it's like, you know, like it's like you hype up. Uh, if you like hype up a dog, right? You, How do you like get a dog really excited? You're like, oh, yeah, dog! and you're like you get, you, you come at it with all this energy and like you give it all this like uh, pets and stuff and the dog will just start jumping around and be all excited. So like we do the same thing with the feelings, right? So we just, we hype them up with like even more wholesome thoughts, or like even more, like even better wholesome thoughts. And then uh, you can experience uh, um, um, even better states of uh, consciousness. So it's like you just kind of want to keep that ball. You It snowballs. You want to keep that snowball rolling. Um, OK, so I think that was uh That was a uh, good for today. Um, we barely scratched the surface of it, but we've been going for like an hour and 10 minutes now, so. Um, unless there's any is there any other questions?
1: I like that suit a lot, Scott, thank you. I got a, a different understanding. Of how to bring the mind into a wholesome condition today. So cool, perfect. Yeah, man.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming, dude. And uh, we'll continue off uh, where we left off next week, because um, I, I didn't really get far into it. Um, yeah, but thanks everyone for coming. It was it was good to see you, Alex. Uh, good to see Puyon. Uh, nice to meet you. Thank um, you. Nice to meet yeah, you guys. meet you, Puyon. Yeah, thanks for coming, Nick. Do you have any closing words?
0: Have lots of fun, boys. Good time.
2: All right.
3: <laughs> All right. Good to see everyone. All right. right, right, See see you, see you boys next time. Bye bye. Take it easy.